Shalom, my dear brothers and sisters and dear friends. We are going to continue with the study of 2 Corinthians, and we are now in the second half of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I would like you please to turn to this uh, fifth chapter, and uh, we are going to be reading from verse 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 9 to verse 21. Please open your Bible if you are able and follow me as I am reading this portion of the Word of God. And so we read, Wherefore we labor that whether we present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience, for we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have some word to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ, for the love of the Mashiach, constraineth us, because with us judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, Henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, by Jesus the Messiah, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech uh, you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And beloved brothers and sisters, I'm stopping here in verse uh, 21 of Second Corinthians chapter 5. This portion of Scripture is a wonderful portion of the Word of God. The Apostle Shaul Paul, who is now opening his heart before his brethren of the city of Corinth, who sadly uh, turned against him, who sadly initially have uh, accused him, who sadly were listening to false teachers, who sadly were in a very sad spiritual state, as it is clearly recorded in the first letter that the Apostle Paul wrote unto them. But in this second letter, after hearing from Titus that there was a change in the Corinthians' uh, uh, hearts and mind, Shaul Paul is writing this amazing second letter to them. This letter is a letter that is 
begin with these words, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, the Father of mercies and the, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Well, Paul, as he's writing this second letter to the Corinthians, he's emphasizing the fact that he, in his innermost heart of hearts, needed the comfort of God. He was persecuted. He experienced much persecution, much, much opposition, much discouragement from without, and yet he turned to the Lord. And the Lord provided for him comfort. And that's why he began this second letter to the Corinthians by saying, as it is very customary among the people of Israel to bless God, Baruch Ata Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Blessed are thou our God, the, the King of the universe. But here he is blessing the God and the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. To remind you that the Apostle Shaul Paul was a parush who became a believer in the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. And this way and manner whereby he expresses himself come from his background and the manner whereby he as a Jewish individual, bless God in his life, in praising and raising his voice and his heart towards God, in blessing him for all what he has done for him and his people, and now for the believers in our Lord Jesus the Messiah, the Corinthians in the city of Corinth. In the previous messages that we have looked over, the Apostle Paul, beginning with chapter 4, verse 1, to into chapter 5 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul presented the ministry, the need for courage, in spite of conflict, to continue on in the ministry which the Lord had given his own people. And you remember the Apostle Paul mentioned in chapter 4, verse 1, we have a glorious ministry. In chapter 4 and verse 7 onward, we have a valuable treasure. In chapter 4, from verse 13 to 18, he mentioned we have a, a sure faith. And in chapter 5, verses 1 to 8, he mentioned we have a future hope. And if you remember, my dear brothers and sisters and dear friends, in verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul said, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. In other words, we have a sure hope. And although we experience here all sort of suffering, trouble, we are perplexed, we are persecuted, we are cast down, but yet we are not in, in distress, we are not in despair, we are not forsaken, and we are not destroyed. Why? Because God is assisting his servants here in this world. This is such a wonderful lesson to learn. And now, beloved brothers and sisters, as we are continuing here, from Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 9 to verse 21, we learn a few important things in this portion of the Word of God. You see, God is usually is relating the truth, the doctrine, the teaching, with the need to have duty. In fact, every, every epistle, every letter that Shaul Paul wrote to the local assembly, any assembly, he first of all provides for them doctrine, and then, beloved brothers and sisters, he provides for them duty, practical walk with the Lord. This is so important because that's the way God is pleasing to do as he shares his word with his people. First, he gives them 
doctrinal teaching, and then he desire from the believers, from his own people, to walk in the light of, of the truth they know. You remember to Israel, he says in the book of Leviticus, be holy, for I am holy. To the believers in the New Testament era, in the New Covenant era, in the church age, he does the very same thing. He says, you be holy, because I am holy. You live for me in light of your relationship with me. You live for me in a practical way. Now, mind you, all of us must confess that uh, while we may know much doctrine, we oftentimes fail in the duty of following through these doctrines. It is easy to know truth. It is another thing altogether to walk in the truth. That means that one has to subdue his own sin nature, the flesh. Because the flesh lusts us against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another. Oftentimes, we allow the works of the flesh to be active. It comes in various forms and shapes. It's not only come with looseness, it's also come with legality. It comes in every form and shape in the life of God's people. That's why we need the grace of God on an ongoing basis. And only the Lord is able to help us. In Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul says, Who shall deliver me from this body of humiliation? Who? It's not what, but who. It is a person, the person of the Lord Jesus the Messiah. He is the only one who can deliver us from this flesh and its, and its own desires. Well, what God has done for us should really motivate us to do for him if god saved us if god provided for our salvation and he surely did through the lord jesus the messiah well don't you think that it should motivate us to love him back and to serve him back god is a good god he's a loving god he's a gracious god the messiah yeshua jesus is a shepherd who likes to lead us who wants to lead us as sheep following him and not going astray. So, whatever he has done for us, especially in relationship to our salvation, should we not be motivated to do for him something here in this world? You will notice that in these verses of chapter 5, verse 9, 11, 16, and 17, you would find the word therefore or wherefore. This word is a connecting word that connects the duty with the doctrine, with the teaching. Connect the practice with the teaching. Let me read you chapter 5 and verse 9, wherefore we labor. Chapter 5 and verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Chapter 5 and verse 16, Wherefore, henceforth know we no men after the flesh. Chapter 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Mashiach, in Christ, he is a new creation. New creature, new creation. Well, you notice that the word therefore is for reason there. It is in the Word of God because in light of the teaching that we receive from the Word of God through the Apostle Shaul Paul, especially in the context of our chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it should motivate us, therefore, to walk in the light of these truths that we have learned. The ministry of believers is really to persuade mankind to be reconciled to God because after all all of us by nature were far away from God and you notice what we read in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11 knowing therefore the tale of the Lord we persuade men at the end it says uh, but we are made manifest unto God and I trust also 
are made manifest in your conscience, it says in verse 11. In verse 20, notice then, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, for the Messiah. So we know the terror of the Lord, we persuade men because we are ambassadors of our Lord Jesus the Messiah. This is interesting because what is an ambassador? Beloved brothers and sisters, an ambassador is someone that is going to another country to represent his own country. It says here in verse 20 that we are, in Hebrew it says, Melitzei HaMashiach. We are the ambassadors of Christ, of the Messiah. We are speaking on his behalf. We are representing him here in this world. Now, of course, when we are not walking in fellowship with him, we cannot represent him because we fail him. We need, first of all, to be in a healthy spiritual relationship with him. But this is it's an ongoing challenge because at time we are getting discouraged, we are getting disappointed, we are going astray, we are doing our own thing, and that's why we cannot represent him here in this world. Let me remind you, that the people of Israel, in the days when they have been carried captive by the Babylonian, they were carried as they were punished by the Lord to the land of Babel. And you notice there, there in Babylon, they mocked at them, the Babylonian. And we read in Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yeah, we wept when we remember Zion, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of their wrath. And there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us require of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And then they said, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? You see, they couldn't sing. Because they were not in the right relationship with the Lord. They were not in the right place where they should have been. That's why they said, if I forget the old Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. They made a decision and they wanted to be restored back to the Lord. They say, if I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth, if I prefer no Jerusalem above my chief joy. You see, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, it is essential to be in a healthy fellowship with the Lord in order to be able to speak for Him. In order to be those that persuade others. And not to persuade others to ourselves, but to persuade others to turn to the Lord God, to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Now notice this, beloved brothers and sisters. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 to 21, Paul is stating three motives in order to motivate the Corinthians and all believers, including you and I, to share the gospel with others. Three things to motivate the believers to share in the ministry of our Lord Jesus the Messiah. Number 1, verses 9 to 13, the first thing that motivates the believer to share the message of the gospel in the ministry of the Lord is the fear of the Lord. The fear or the terror of the Lord that will fall upon the face of this world, upon the unregenerated persons, that motivate us because when God will come in judgment upon the unregenerated people, upon those who are unbelievers, that will cast this one person who, who is without Christ, without the Messiah, into eternal separation from the Lord. Secondly, not only that we know the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, verses 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13. Secondly, in verses 14, 15, 16, and 17, the second thing that motivates us to share the message of the gospel is the love of Christ, the love of the Mashiach, the Messiah. 
The love of the Messiah motivates us. It is His love for us who are enemies of the Lord, enemies of God, motivate us to share the message of the gospel with others. And beloved brothers and sisters, the third motivating factor in our life that will move us to share the message of the gospel is none else but the commission of the Messiah himself. He commissioned the believers to reconcile others to himself. That's why we read that we are an ambassador. There is a verse in Psalm 116 and verse 12 that says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord, now in the presence of all his people. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord, now in the presence of all his people. This is Psalm 116, verses 12 and onward. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? What shall we render unto the Lord for all the benefits that he has towards us? Beloved brothers and sisters, what an encouragement it is to each and every one of us. What a motivation ought we to have to serve the Lord and to minister out of a full heart of thanksgiving for what he has done for us. And so notice now, we are moving along to these three motivating factors in our lives to cause us as believers to persuade others to come to know the Savior. The first one is in verses 9 to 13, Knowing the terror of the Lord. Notice it says in verse 9, beloved brothers and sisters, Wherefore, Paul is saying, we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. In other words, we continue on to labor, to serve. Paul is speaking of himself. And of course, he is challenging the Corinthians, and you and I as well. Well, we labor. Whether we are present, whether we are here, or whether we are absent, away from you, or wherever we are, we may be accepted of Him. This is so wonderful. Beloved brothers and sisters, to be accepted of Him, that means that He will be pleased with what we do in our lives. How wonderful it is for the believers to serve the Lord, whether it is sharing the gospel, encouraging the believers, teaching the word of God, serving others. This is such a refreshing thing to do in our life as believers. And of course, every one of us have a different exercise and a different ministry, a different area of service. And we need to be faithful and consistent with that which the Lord had given unto us individually, particularly everyone to be faithful in what the Lord have called him to do or her to do. So notice what we read here. In verse 10, Because we must all one day appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Notice what it says. In verse 10 we read, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. You see, beloved brothers and sisters, the judgment seat of Christ, of the Messiah, the judgment seat of the Messiah, is a judgment day that will come upon all those that are believers. It doesn't have anything to do with our salvation, but it has everything to do with what we have done as believers in the Lord Jesus the Messiah in our life here upon the face of this earth from the day that we have accepted Him. 
In Romans chapter 14, the Apostle Paul mentioned this as well. In verse 10, he said, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, of the Messiah. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So that every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let us therefore not judge one another any more, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. In other words, how we treat one another. How do we deal in our life here in this world? You see, one day, every believer will have to stand before the judgment seat of the Messiah. Now, we must distinguish the judgment seat of Christ, which is only for believers, the judgment that will take place in heaven before the marriage of the Lamb, according to the book of Revelation, chapter 19, there will be, first of all, beloved brothers and sisters, the judgment seat of Christ in heaven, where all that which was dishonored to the Lord will be removed from the people of God. In fact, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there in verse 11, we do read, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubborn, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he has built, thereupon he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but not as this, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. So, we learn that the judgment seat of the Messiah is only for believers in the Lord Jesus the Messiah, only for the redeemed, for the saved, and it is only in relation to how the believer lived his or her life here upon the face of this earth. Whatever was done for Christ, for the Mashiach, will remain. Whatever was done for the flesh, for the world, for Satan, will be burned up. But it is a time in which God's people will be evaluated as to their works here upon the face of this earth. Notice what we read in Revelation chapter 19, verse 6, it says, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And then verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come, the marriage is coming, and his wife made herself ready. Well, how does his wife make herself ready? She's going through the judgment seat of Christ where all that was done for the flesh will be removed and burnt. And because of all that remained for Christ, for the, whatever was done for the Messiah will remain, that will be uh, precious in the sight of the Lord. To her was granted that she would be arrayed with fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Whatever righteous acts the saints have done here in this world, these acts will really representing here with the white and fine linen, which is the righteous acts of the saints. Everything that was unrighteous will be burned up. So before the marriage will take place, the judgment seat of Christ will take place. Now, let me remind you, this will be, 
the judgment seat of Christ, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ will be taking place after the rapture of the church, when the church will be removed out of here, and will be meeting the Lord in the air, and will be with Him, and then just before the marriage in heaven that will take place, first of all, the judgment seat of the Messiah will be taking place in heaven. That will be before the tribulation. That will be before the thousand years reign of the Messiah. Now, there will be another judgment that is called the Great White Throne Judgment. And this judgment is for all unbelievers, those who are unregenerated, those who have never come to God in every dispensation. And this judgment of the Great White Throne Judgment will take place after the thousand years of reign of the Messiah over Israel and over all the world. And the church is reigning over the world with him as well. And so we read in Revelation chapter 20. There we read, listen, beloved brothers and sisters, concerning the Great White Throne Judgment. We read in these verses... The rest of the dead, this is verse 5, Revelation 20, they lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection, on such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him for a thousand years. Then we read in verse 11 of chapter 20, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book according to their works. And then it says that whosoever was not found written in the book of life shall be cast into the lake of fire. Well, over a thousand years will pass by between the judgment seat of the Messiah, which is only for believers, and the great white throne judgment, which is only for unbelievers. For the believers, all that which was not done for the Lord will be burnt. Whatever was done for the Lord will remain. And God's people will reign with him for a thousand years. For the unbelievers who will never, never come to know God, they will have to stand thousand years, thousand and seven years later, they will have to stand before the Lord Jesus the Messiah at the great white throne judgment only to be cast into the lake of fire. How sad it is. And that's why Paul is saying, knowing the terror of the Lord, we are laboring here in order that we're present or absent, we may be acceptable of Him because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We are going to receive here in the judgment seat of Christ all what we have done in our body, whether good or whether bad. That is found in verses 9 and 10, beloved brothers and sisters. Well, in verse 11, 12, and 13, we read, Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We persuade men, beloved brothers and sisters. We persuade people because we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience, Paul is saying to the believers in Corinth. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, verse 12, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. You see, there were some who came and only gloried and had pride in outward appearance. It was not real service for the Lord. 
And Paul is saying to the Corinthians, we have something to give you so you can give an answer to them that glory in themselves with an outward appearance and not in the heart. And in verse 13, Paul mentioned that we need not to let others who criticize us affect us in the ministry. For whether we be beside ourselves like crazy or abnormal that somebody said, hey, they are so abnormal, look at Paul. Look at those who follow him, they are so abnormal, what they are saying, what they are teaching. Well, whether we be beside ourselves, it is of God and it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your sake. You see, Paul said, no, no, we are not going to let others who look at us and think that we are beside ourselves to influence our life for the Lord and our service for the Lord. And beloved brothers and sisters, whatever you will do for the Lord Jesus, the Messiah in your life, you will be criticized for. Because that is the human nature. That is the human nature is even among the believers. We are not better than the unbelievers. The sin nature within us is just as deceitful and proudful as in others. That's why we needed forgiveness. That's why we needed a new nature, divine nature, a nature that is to be born from above. Because this old nature, the sinful nature, has no good in it. Paul said, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And so, beloved friend, the first verses in Verses 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13, the terror of the Lord, the fear of the judgment that is coming upon the face of this world should motivate believers in the Lord Jesus the Messiah to serve Him and to share the message of the gospel with others. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, notice, in the next verses, from verses 14 to 17, there is a second motivator to give us this, the desire to serve the Lord and share the message of the gospel, and that is the love of our Mashiach, our Messiah. No one ever loved us, beloved brothers and sisters, as our Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. No one ever have loved us as God, the Father who sent His Son. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. No one ever loved us like Yeshua, Jesus, our Lord and our Messiah. Therefore, we read in verse 14 to 17. Notice what Paul is saying in verse 14. For the love of Christ. Every time you read the word Christ, it comes from the Greek word Christos. Every time you read the Greek word Christos, it comes from the Hebrew word Mashiach, Messiah. For the love of Mashiach, the love of Christ constraineth us, in other words, motivate us. Why? Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. If the Lord Jesus died for all, we were all dead in trespasses and sins. You remember, beloved brothers and sisters, what we do read concerning the love of God. You remember John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. When God gave His Son, the Father gave the Son to be the Savior of the world, the Son, the Messiah, had to be punished on your behalf. For the love of Christ constrained us. Why? Because we thus judge that if one, this is the Messiah, Christ, he died for all of us without exception, Jewish and Gentile, male and female, boys and girls, rich and poor, every people, tongue, the nation, for we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We needed a Savior. We needed the Mashiach, the Messiah, the promised Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the world. And he came and he died on a shameful Roman cross and he paid for the sin of this world. He died for all. 
And therefore, beloved brothers and sisters, we are to respond. We are to respond. We read in John 3.16 that God loved the world. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, we read that Christ, the Messiah, loved the assembly. In Jeremiah 31 and verse 3, we read of God's love for Israel. In Galatians 2 and verse 20, we read of the Son of God who loved me, Paul said, and gave himself for me. God's love for the world, God's love for the assembly, God's love for his earthly people Israel, God's love for you, for me individually, for the love of the Messiah motivate us, constrain us, because he died for us all. We were dead in trespasses and sins, and he made us alive. He gave us new life. It says in verse 15 and 16 and 17 that Yeshua, Jesus, he died so that we might live. I'm reading verses 15, 16, and 17. And that he died for all, the day which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we know men after the flesh. In other words, uh, we sever, spiritually speaking, our relationship with anyone after the flesh. That's why Although we still have family ties here on earth, but in reality, beloved brothers and sisters, when we have accepted the Lord Jesus the Messiah, our relationship is with our brothers and sisters and with the Lord Jesus, the head and the believers, the true believers here in this world. To remind you that Paul, Shaul, none of his family are seen here in his life as he writing these books after books, this letter after letter. We don't read of any of his family that came to know the Lord. We read once about his nephew, but we don't know where he was. But Paul, Shaul, was on his own. And that's why he says in these verses, Wherefore, henceforth know we no men after the flesh. We regard, we evaluate no one after the flesh, because really, the natural tie, though they are important, given by God, but spiritually and eternally, they come to an end when we die, right? Death sever any ties that we have here on earth. So, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. In other words, we don't know anymore the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, as he was here on earth anymore, though, of course, he had to come to earth. Of course, he had to walk here in this world. Of course, he had to walk here to fulfill the law in his life. Of course, he had to literally go to the shameful cross and die and become the sacrifice, the fulfillment of all that which was given in days of old. Of course, but he died, he paid for the sin of this world, he was buried and he rose again, and we know him now as the risen, exalted Messiah, who is sitting at God's right hand, who is the head of the assembly. He will come again at the end of the tribulation to restore his earthly people here upon the face of this earth and rule over the whole world. So therefore, Notice that we read in verse 16, we read, Yea, though we have known Christ, the Messiah, after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more, in the same way that the early believers knew him, he was here on earth with them. Well, in verse 17, it does say, Beloved brothers and sisters, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, in the anointed one, in the Mashiach, that's an expression in Christ, in Mashiach, in Messiah, in Christos. This is an expression that you find many, many times in the Word of God. It's an expression that tells us that we are linked with Him. We are linked with Him. And this is very important that an expression 
that oftentimes is found in the Word of God. It's a New Testament expression that is found often in, in the epistle. In Acts 24.24, we read, And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ, in Mashiach, in Messiah. Being justified, Paul said in Romans 3.24, freely by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so on, this expression is mentioned many times, over 200 times in the New Testament, the New Covenant. In Christ, in Christ, in Messiah. So, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. That's it. Positionally, as far as God is concerned, old things are passed away. Now, we, of course, are still here in this world. So we look at the old things. We are connected with families, with our nation, with our countrymen, with our friends of the past. Somehow, even though we... Uh, not walking with them in the same way, but there is always that affection and love toward them. But as far as God is concerned, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So in verses 14 to 17, the second motivator, the second thing that motivates us to be those that serve the Lord and ministering the word of God is the love of Christ constrains us. The love of the Messiah constraining us, producing motivation in us to share the message of the gospel. And notice it says the love of Christ. It's the love of the Messiah that is placed in our own hearts. It's not so much the love for the Messiah, but the love of the Messiah for us that is now is being transferred from us to others. That's why we ought to love others, to love the sinner, as we sinners by nature were loved by the Lord. And as servants of the Lord, we are to transfer that love to others. And so thus far, beloved brothers and sisters, 2 Corinthians 5 verses 9 to 13, the terror of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, when the judgment will fall upon the face of this earth, and where we will have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, is motivating us to share the gospel. So we will do some good works for the Lord, not for our salvation, but because of our salvation. Secondly, in verses 14 to 17, the love of the Messiah is really constraining us, motivating us, because we thus judge that he died for us all. We were all dead. So we need to share this with others because they who are not believers are dead in their trespasses and sins, as you and I, my dear friend, before we became believers in the Lord Jesus, were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were lost. We were lost. But God in His grace have saved us. And so now thirdly, as we're going to the end of this important portion of the Word of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18, 19, 20, 21, we learn the third motivator. It is the commission of the Lord. It is the Lord himself, beloved brothers and sisters, that said to the early apostles, and he's saying it to you and I, as he said it in the great commission after his resurrection, and as he was anticipating to be ascended to heaven, 
from the mountain of olive, Har Hazaitim, in the land of Israel. He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them or immersing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. And so listen, man, because of sin, turned his face away from God. God, because of sin, turned his face away from man. But God was reconciled because of the person of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, when he died on the cross. He died for all. You remember what Isaiah said prophetically concerning the Messiah? All we like sheep have gone astray, Isaiah 53, 6. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid upon him the iniquities of us all, my dear friend, of us all. All we like sheep have gone astray. And he was punished for the iniquity of us all. This verse begins with all and ends with all. God was reconciled because Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, died on the cross for the sin of us all. He propitiated, he satisfied a holy and a righteous God. So in verses 18, 19, 20, and 21, God gave you and I as believers now, after he had saved us and redeemed us, gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Amazing ministry, according to verse 18, beloved brothers and sisters. That word reconciliation is, in the Greek, it's called katalasso. In Hebrew, it is called the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, satisfied God. He propitiated a holy and a righteous God. And that's why we receive now that ministry of reconciliation. So we, in turn, can go to the world and to others and tell them that there is a way whereby they can be reconciled to God. You see, my dear friend, what a wonderful message we have. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul said, For do I now persuade men, O God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of the Messiah, the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after men, for I neither receive it of men, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my behavior, or my conversation in time past in the Jewish religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the assembly of God and wasted it and profited in the Jewish religion above many of my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen, Immediately I confirmed not with flesh and blood. So Paul is sharing his own personal experience. He, as a Jewish man, who followed the light that he had in his days, plus, of course, the rabbinical tradition which was added. But he needed to see the revelation of the person of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, who revealed himself to him and gave him a ministry to minister among the Gentiles. He was called, according to Galatians 2 and verse 7, the 
apostle to the uncircumcision, as Peter was the apostle to the circumcision. Two apostolos, two shlichim, two apostles. One specifically is to reach the Gentile nation, the other specifically to reach the Jewish people. Both were servants of the Lord. And you and I are called to serve the Lord in a sphere where God have called us to serve Him. And so notice that. God gave believers the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 18. All things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You and I, Beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, a call to share the word of God and to appeal to people and asking them, Be ye reconciled to God. Be ye reconciled to God, my dear friends. He said in verse 19, God was in Christ, in Messiah, reconciling the world unto himself. To wit, we read in verse 19, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, to wit that God was in Christ, in Messiah, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You see, beloved brothers and sisters, you and I, my dear friend, you and I, my dear brothers and sisters, are called to share graciously, lovingly, patiently offering the message of the gospel of the grace of God here in this world. And we read in verse 19, to which God in, was in Christ, in the Messiah, reconciling the world to himself, not, listen to this, not imputing their trespasses unto them. All the sins that we have committed, all the transgressions that we have committed. God is now forgiving the believer in the Lord Jesus the Messiah, not imputing our trespasses and transgression unto us. He has committed to the believers now that have accepted the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus the Messiah. He had provided for us now and committed unto us the word of reconciliation. An exchange. What is the exchange? You give me your sins. Jesus the Messiah bore your sins and my sins on the cross. And in turn, after his death, burial, and resurrection, because of your faith in him, he gives you righteousness. He provides for you forgiveness and for me forgiveness. He does not impute unto us all the transgression and trespasses which we have committed. Oh, my dear friend, what an amazing truth to learn. You see, sometimes we sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What an amazing grace of God that you and I have received, beloved brothers and sisters. There is a verse... In, of course, in Genesis concerning Abraham, which is here, is mentioned in Galatians chapter 3. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. When you and I believe in the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, God counting this unto us for righteousness. And at the same time, he is not imputing, not reckoning our trespasses, our transgression unto us. In other words, there is an exchange. He bore our sins, and we received His righteousness. You see, no wonder Paul could say in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, when he wrote to the Roman believers, he said to them, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Messiah, of Christ. Why, Paul? Why you are not ashamed of the gospel of the Messiah? Well, here is the answer. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, in the gospel, in the glad tidings, in the good news, inside there, verse 17 of Romans chapter 1, 
in their in the gospel for therein the righteousness of God is revealed from faith unto faith as it is written the just shall live by faith wow what an amazing 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 ministry we can share with the world around us exchanging the relationship calling us saints forgiving our sins attributing to us his righteousness providing for our salvation justification giving us that redemption yeshua salvation you shall call his name yeshua you shall call his name jesus for he shall save his people from their sin as his name so is what he had done jesus our messiah And so Paul concludes here in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, and in verse 20 he says, Now then we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors, beloved brothers and sisters. Paul is saying, of Christ and for Christ. And as ambassadors for Christ, notice then, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ that be ye reconciled to God. An ambassador is someone that is called in the Greek presbueo. In other words, it is a person that is a representative. He is representing the Lord here upon the face of this earth. In the Hebrew, it's called Melitzei HaMashiach, the ambassadors on behalf of Christ, of the Messiah. What a, a ministry the Lord had given unto us. Go ye therefore unto all nations, he said to the disciples in Matthew chapter 28. You go into all the nations. And you share the message of the gospel. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so Paul concludes. This fifth chapter, even though they are not really break in the original letter that Shaul Paul wrote, but in our chapter, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, we read, For he has made him, this is God, made him, made the Lord Jesus, made the Lord Yeshua there on the cross, to be sin for us. In other words, to be sin offering for us. To be sin sacrifice for us. God judge him so you and I who believe on him will never need to be judged. And it continue on, it said, who knew no sin. You see, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, knew no sin. Peter said he did no sin. John said, in him there was no sin. He is the sinless one. The Messiah of Israel and the Savior of this world. He knew no sin and God made him to be sin sacrifice for us. That we, sinners by nature, might be made the righteousness of God in him, beloved friend, in Christ, in the Messiah, we were made the righteousness of Christ. This is something that, beloved brothers and sisters, we cannot fathom. But we accept it on the basis of God's word. On the basis of God's word. The three hours of darkness, when Yeshua the Messiah was there lifted up between heaven and earth, between two malefactors. It was in these three hours. In the Out of the six hours, in the first three hours, when he was on the cross, he suffered by the hand of man. But in the second of the six hours, the last three hours, he suffered by the hand of a righteous God. 
And there, if you remember, beloved brothers and sisters, he cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Elohi, Elohi, lama shvaktani. Yeshua the Messiah bore your sins and mine there on the cross. God now laid upon him the iniquities of us all. He who knew no sin, he has made him to be a sin for us who knew no sin that we sinners might be made the righteousness of God in him. That is amazing grace. That is a sweet sound that saved a wretch like me. My dear friend, dear brothers and sisters, how ought we to be so thankful to the Lord Jesus our Messiah who loved us and gave himself for us. And so, you and I as believers in the Lord Jesus the Messiah learn from 2 Corinthians 5 verses 9 to 21 these reason to motivate us to be an ambassador, to be servants, to share the gospel in the world today. Number one, verse 9 to 13, the terror of the Lord, the fear of the Lord motivate us, knowing that at the judgment day we will have to stand before the Lord and we will have to share with Him what we have done here in this world. How we use our time here on earth and also to know that the judgment, the great white throne judgment day will come and all unbelievers will be cast into the lake of fire. That motivates us to share the message of the gospel. Secondly, in verses 14 to 17, the love of Christ shed abroad in our heart, motivating us to share the message of the gospel with others. And thirdly, in verses 18 to 21, the commission that the Messiah have commissioned us with, and this is to become those that are appealing to others, beloved uh, brothers and sisters. We are called to this ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. Well, beloved friend and dear brothers and sisters, may the Lord help us. May the Lord help us to be those that will be used in some small measure for the glory of the Lord and for the blessing of mankind. And so, my dear friend, until the next time, may God bless you. We say to you, Shalom, Shalom.